This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. This is Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio. And Megan Barsulia and I are untangling cords and also <laughs> pulling up our next article. Uh, we wanted to speak to the unfortunate events uh, overseas this past week and also be true to our... Everything is line dance. Exactly. Uh, principle. And we were wondering how to do that. Uh, we had a couple different articles here and this one I think is just generally useful um, in helping to bring people together who may not necessarily think that they have anything that they want to be united over. Um, I mean, this is less of... I mean, we're very blessed to say that this is less of a problem in our line dance community. Uh, however, not everybody that um, that becomes a friend is so easy to approach outside of the line dance community. Uh, here, we have kind of a head start, because if they know the same dance, then it's like, oh, well, cool, I like them, they're fine. Um, if they are not in that community, they are what you might call a stranger. And this article by Matt Ramos on tinybuddha.com is titled 11 Ways to Turn Strangers into Friends. Yes. Um, the first paragraph here, well, first lots of sections here. <laughs> uh, we have some quotes. Uh, first quote is a, fear makes strangers of people who would be friends. Shirley MacLaine. Up until a year ago, I saw the world as a place where very few doors opened for me. At first, I thought it was due to being extremely introverted. But as time went on, I started to struggle with making friends. I didn't have many of them, and opportunities only knocked a few times a year. That's when I realized my problems stemmed from my passivity and fear of actually going out and talking to people. My few closest friends always told me to join a club or go to parties. People always told me where to meet people, but they never really showed me how to actually create conversation. On top of that, I never really liked going to big social gatherings. I'm introverted and tend to be overwhelmed when a lot of people are around. I like talking one-on-one. -on -one. So I decided to do things my own way. I started talking to strangers on my college campus and in the city because I was tired of staying on the sidelines. It was scary for a naturally timid person like me, but I decided to fight the fear. Great things come to those who are willing to risk rejection and put themselves out there. After two months of doing this, I made some great friends simply by starting conversations. It's an empowering mindset to be able to create conversation with potentially anyone. There's always the choice to talk to whom I want to talk to. I asked people what drink they bought from the coffee shop. I asked someone about her customized bike. I asked people to share opinions on things that affected me. Some people opened up to me. Some people stayed shut down. Some of them continued talking about themselves when I put the spotlight on them. Others simply answered my question and left the conversation there. All of these interactions allowed me to understand how to engage with people. For example, I learned that tone and body language are more important than saying the right thing. Through my experiences, I learned that people are usually friendly and happy to talk to you. I've been able to meet more people than I ever expected just by opening up to them. That's when I learned that it was up to me to be proactive and create my own doors instead of complaining that none were opening for me. It was up to me to create my own opportunities by connecting with more people. 
Besides feeling more connected, I feel happier knowing that I have the power to talk to whomever I want to. More opportunities arrived by networking with others. For example, I was able to pursue photography with a new friend simply because I reached out and asked. Here are the 11 tips I learned about turning strangers into friends. 1. Say the magic word. Hi. Hi. It, <laughs> it sounds so obvious, but it's the first big barrier. You have to be willing to put yourself out there to start a conversation. I noticed that people are welcoming after you break the ice. It's not something that everyone wants to do because it takes some courage to go up to someone you've never met before and start a conversation. However, more people are welcoming than we generally expect. When you encounter someone who isn't, remember that someone else will be. Yeah, um, I am very fortunate in uh, my nervous flaw, in which my nervous flaw is to ramble. So for me, saying hi generally isn't a scary thing. Um, however, I have actually had the, um, how do I talk? I, I'm afraid I'm just going to open my mouth and vowel sounds are going to come out. Um, in speaking with some of the people in the line dance community that, you know, I saw as our superstars. Mm. Um, I know several times in which I've had conversations with people, um, in my head, I'm thinking, you're rambling, you're being awkward, don't make it awkward, there you go, making it more awkward. Uh, but people generally respond when you say hello. Mm -hmm. Even if it's simple as something as high back, um, I, I'm certainly one of those that love when people come up and say hello to me and like talk to me about anything at events. Um, anytime I have people you know, ask me questions or... Um, even come up and, I mean, I'm very blessed people do like to compliment me for some reason, um, but they like to start conversations with me and I'm more than willing to talk to people. I love talking with people. I like hearing their stories. I like hearing their backgrounds. I love finding the commonalities. Line dancing and events is a very safe place in which you can experiment with talking with people. Um, a lot of people are very friendly, very open. However, there are people who are shy. So it is a little bit more complicated trying to get the shy people to open up. It's not always the ones you'd expect either. Exactly. I know of a couple people, instructors and choreographers that are very shy themselves. Um, and it didn't, it didn't occur to me as I'm rambling on to them that... You know they're actually enjoying this because they're not saying anything, and so I feel like I'm just monopolizing their time, and they would like much rather be somewhere else. Um, but I've had enough of those conversations with them for them to respond with like, I like when you're around because you know like I can get engaged that way, I can have conversations, I feel a part of something, which then makes me very grateful that I went up and said hi to them and started talking with them and like, you know, gestured for them to come sit next to me or something to that extent. Um, and so it's very nice that I feel like even though I'm rambling and probably monopolizing their time, that they're actually getting something from it. So you really can't judge someone by how you have perceived them to be 
in how they're going to respond to you in the sense of like they might need you to say hello more than you need to say hello. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is like with the community that we're in, there's vi- there's so many, so many amazing and accepting people. The trick is now taking that safe environment of the line dance community and bring it to the outside world. That's the trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, at least you can practice safely and comfortably inside the line dance community. Mm-hmm. And even uh, just saying hi when you're teaching a lesson, I feel like it helps break the ice, like they say. Um, it's not just you talking through a one-way mirror and you can't see anybody out there and maybe there are people taking the lesson, maybe they're not. So then you on the dance are like, do they even know I'm here? Like, they're just talking at me. Um, maybe if I if I leave, they won't even notice. Like, I could just peace out on this whole lesson and it won't have mattered that I was here for half of it. But if you're actually interacting and you're saying hi and maybe you're you know cracking jokes at them, making uh, a comment about somebody's really cool shawl that they're wearing or accessories or sparkles on their shirt or whatever they're doing... Now, like, they're on the spot. Like, you you said, I acknowledge your existence. I see you down there. And now that you have been seen, you think, well, gosh, they know I'm here. I guess I better stick around. Like, for them. I'm doing it for them. Because they <laughs> talked to me. And if I leave, then they can't talk to me anymore. And then they look silly as instructors. So I guess I'll, I'll stay for their their benefit. Like, they seem to be enjoying themselves. I wouldn't want to take away from that by leaving. So as the instructor, say hi. Talk to them. Do those break ice things. Yeah. um, I I used to use the excuse, and I still kind of do, because we're still relatively new to the whole scene. Um, I'm new. I don't know any better. (laughs) Um, And I'm okay with making a complete fool out of myself. I'll kick myself later. But it's really entertaining to watch, at least. Um, Mm. And, you know, like, I've gotten to the point where, you know, like, I've walked up to our so-called superstars and just talked to them and just asked them questions and asked them to join me for a a meal or something like that. Or, and it's because I claim that I don't know any better. Um, And at first, that was true. At first, I didn't know any better. And it was just a person that I wanted to talk to because they danced really cool. (laughs) And then I realized that, oh, they did... Dance XYZ. Okay. That's a great dance, by the way. <laughs> um, wow. I just walked up and said, hi. Okay. I'm going to go hide now, you know. But because of that, it already broke the ice. So the next time I saw them, they reciprocated. And they were the ones to walk up to me and say, hey, how's it going? How would you sleep? You know, whatever, at the dance event. And, you know, from there, friendships have been born. Friendships and relationships have grown. Um, and I've been able to accomplish like a lot of really cool things because I took the time to simply say hi. Oh, and if you're um, not sure what to talk about with some person on the street, and you could always ask them, have you met our Lord and personal savior line dance? <laughs> Get into that with them. And uh, yeah, then they can just listen to you for a while. And then you can ask them, what are your passions? You know, Cat Painter, she mentioned in her interview in Vegas in 2015 um, she said that when she's talking with a person, she meets them where they are. She finds out, like, what are your interests? What are your passions? She doesn't even say anything about line dance at first, necessarily. Um, and in finding out what's important to them, what they value, what they care about, uh, the kind of people they want to be surrounded by, 
as it turns out, a lot of the things that people tend to care about are like friendship and being healthy and making new friends. And that just kind of naturally segues into line dance. <laughs> so it ends up being a pitch without starting out seeming like, you know, anything other than just finding out about their life. And it could just end up being that you find out about their life and that's it and you never bring up line dance and that's fine too. You can make that kind of friend too. It's been a while since I've made one of those. A non-line dance friend. What are those? Yeah. <laughs> They're out on the sidewalk all the time, but like it's hard to tell which ones they are because everybody looks like a line dancer to me. Right. Number two, detach yourself from the outcome. When you don't expect any outcome, you won't be disappointed or offended if someone doesn't respond to you. There's a difference between perceived outcome and what actually happens. How many times have you worried about a worst case situation only to find out that it turned out much better than you anticipated? If I don't expect any outcome from whatever I'm doing, then I can be in the present moment and adjust accordingly. Yeah. I've uh, had that experience where I've walked away from saying something to someone or saying hi to someone and being like, you just said that. Um and they just kind of shined you on. And I got really self-conscious about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And then like 10 minutes later, they walk up and they continue the conversation. And so I'm kind of, I kind of asked myself, wait, I thought they didn't like me. I thought that that went really bad, but here they are still engaging in a conversation with me. And, you know, I mean, sometimes that's just a matter of maybe what you said they needed time to think about or maybe what you said was not necessarily something they were comfortable to discussing at that moment or I mean or maybe discussing at all so my perceived like oh my god I just like made a complete fool of myself in front of this amazing person that I respect highly oh my gosh what did I just do is not nearly as dramatic as you're playing it out in your head Mm -hmm. um Another thing is, you know, sometimes it takes a minute or two for people to really, like, fully be like, okay, why are they talking to me? Did did they realize that I'm, you know, nothing special? I mean, why are they talking to me? And then they go, oh, okay, they're a safe person to talk to. Okay, I guess I can open up. I guess I can talk to them. Because um, I know sometimes that's definitely one of the things that runs through my head. Uh so like it takes me a minute to be like, okay, yeah, no, I can have a conversation with you. I don't know why you want to talk to me, but okay, yeah, I'll know, definitely. Um, and it's more along the lines of like, what could I contribute to you? Mm. More as a, like, you're annoying me kind of thing. Like that's never crossed my mind in any conversations that I've had with, uh, at any events, in fact. Um, it's more or less why do you want to talk to me of all people? I mean, do you realize like Rachel's sitting right there or Joe's over there? I mean, do you realize that people like real value are in the same room as us? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, like they want to ask a question or you know something like that. And so just, I just happen to be there or sometimes for whatever reason, they see something I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not having the expectation that either A, this person's going to completely shine you on or this person's going to automatically be your best friend uh, is certainly something to consider is just, you know, say hi for the sake of saying hi. 
not because you now want to be their best friend forever and ever and ever. If they see something you don't, I mean, I, I know this because of my pants. It might be your butt because <laughs> you can't see your own butt. So, you know, there sometimes people are just looking out for you. They're like, oh, there's you know, something there. I better monitor that the rest of the night. <laughs> that way, you know, in case you ever sit on anything. <laughs> so that could be it. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, also, as far as detaching yourself from the outcome, I remember this happened a lot in high school and even to some extent college. I would have the most awkward stilted conversations with girls I had a crush on and I would be like thinking about the right thing to say right now because this was something they expressed an interest in before so I have to phrase it in a way that like doesn't sound weird that I know that or like yes of course I remember that from the last time we talked but that's not weird that's I don't know maybe it's thoughtful don't, why are you looking at me like that and like so on uh, whereas the people that you don't have any interest in because you're so enamored with this other person you can have very easy off the cuff casual conversations with them and then because you are so able to freely speak maybe maybe something does come of that maybe you're like wow i feel really comfortable around this person and like they make me feel good when they're around and you know who knows where that could go uh because you didn't start out thinking i need them to like me i like them so much you <laughs> need to like me back otherwise i'm scum so yeah Detach yourself from the outcome, and then life can just happen, which is nice. Yes, certainly. Oh, this is related. The next one is uh, number three. Tolerate rejection. If they reject you, it isn't about you. It's about where they are at mentally, so don't take it personally. If they passed up on the opportunity to connect with you, then they missed out on something great. Not typically a problem with the line dance community mm. in the sense of like just talking to people and getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Still, I mean, it's a potential out there that maybe they're just busy and they don't have time right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're getting ready for a lesson or to teach something. Or um, I know there's been a couple times like where they need to uh, instructors or choreographers have needed to run off because they needed to work on something as a collaboration process, and this was the only time both of them had free, and so they didn't have time to talk to you. Mm-hmm that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they don't like you. Um, as for like total rejection, I don't know if I've actually ever experienced like total rejection, like in the sense of like, yeah, no, I'm never going to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of our, our dancers and instructors and choreographers and DJs and even event planners, like, they're really friendly and they're really nice and they try to make time for just about anybody. Mm. So, Two things that it might um, be if there is some feeling of rejection is fear on their part. Like let's say it's late night and they're super drunk and they're afraid of what they might say if their filter is off. They can get away with that with their closer friends but they don't know you as well and they know that maybe you have some higher opinion of them. So if they aren't so open to interacting, it might be because they're trying to hold their own stuff together and, um, and yeah, they're afraid that like them being casual and, you know, laughing about some off color thing, uh, might really upset you. So they just are maybe not, not continuing the conversation when you ask them questions and they just kind of like let everything sit, um, out in the, the bigger world, 
Um, that can also be the case where they're afraid. Uh, like sometimes people will be afraid that if you get to know them too well, they will find out that you're a fraud, that you don't have anything valuable to contribute. And so better to push them away while they still think you're a cool but rude person uh, as opposed to you know, let them in and then disappoint them when they do get all their questions answered and they do get to spend all their time with you or whatever. And then they decide, oh, wow, yeah, this wasn't, this wasn't what I thought. So I'm going to leave you instead of you leaving me first. I'm going to leave you because you bore me. They don't want that feeling. They, they decide it's better to get out before you can. Hurt them before they can hurt. Hurt you before you can hurt them. Yeah. Um, that's definitely, I guess, a, a big fear for certain people that I know, myself included, is the, yeah, you're going to find out. I really don't, I'm not that special. Um, and, and yeah, you know, and that's just a matter of getting better at um, comparing yourself to others. Not necessarily the wisest decision, mm. but as for the tolerate rejection, it it a lot of times it is more about them than it is mm. about you. Right. It's more about where they are mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, whatever the case may be. It's mm. you know in their time schedule, it's it's where they're at mm. as to whether or not they would be open to receiving anything from you. Yeah, like one more friend is going to be more of a chore than a blessing. Like. They don't think that you as an acquaintance want to come into their life and help them with all this burden that they've got. They think, uh, they think, oh gosh, another, another friend, that means another person I need to entertain, another person I need to create a good first impression on whenever we go to this or that new thing, uh, another person I have to you know, be witty around, and that's hard work. And like, um, They might want to do all those things, but at the time, they might not be really like mentally armed for something like that. Yeah, and it might even be a little bit more of the opposite. So not so much as like another person that I have to entertain, so much as another person that I'm going to burden Mm-hmm, with right. my stuff exactly yeah, they um, it's, it, it can be a negative thing too like you know like I don't want to let somebody else in because I feel like if I tell one more person my problems I'm just boring them I'm just burdening them mm-hmm. you know like with my friendship like it's going to be more work on them than it is on me mm-hmm. or if you if you do think that there's some like light at the end of the tunnel like maybe this would be the friend who could help you with all that stuff and then you try to explain all your problems to them and they don't get it, now you don't have your problem solved and you feel like you were a poor communicator and that can be very frustrating. Yeah. Um, oh, is that a garbage truck? Sounds Recycling. Like it. Recycling. Yeah, we recycle here in Sonoma County. Very proud of that. Uh, there's something else about rejection. Uh... Oh, yeah, and some people, honestly, they just don't think that they deserve another friend. Like, maybe they did some really mean thing uh, intentionally or by accident to one of their friends recently, and now you come in all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, trying to be their friend, and you're like, no, stay away from me. I'm a bad person. (laughs) I'm just a bad influence. And maybe if they get to a healthier place later down the road, then you can try again, but maybe at that time, they just need to process. And trust me when I tell you that um, 
first impressions aren't always what you perceive them to be. Mm. I have made a complete fool of myself in front of an individual that has now become someone I can actually talk to and ask questions and she will respond to them and she has mentioned how you know she's like looking forward to seeing me at places and um yeah and the first introduction was a colossal disaster Mm. it was bad it was okay and I'm gonna walk away with my head down and my tail between my legs because that was embarrassing Mm. um so First impressions aren't your last impressions always, so mm-hmm. it's okay to try again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number four, don't mind what strangers think. This is your life, and you have the right to talk to whomever you want to talk to. Not everyone is that open. Allow them to be how they think and think how they do without letting it challenge your courage. I think about Vegas. And how many conversations and lunches that I was able to have with all the different instructors and choreographers like Joe and Madison and Simon and Rebecca and Philip. And like I felt so spoiled. And that was simply because, you know, I would walk up to them and I would ask them questions and I would talk to them throughout the couple days prior. And then all of a sudden they're sitting down next to me, too. And it's like, okay, cool. I can do this. I can totally do this. And it wasn't one of those things that ever really crossed my mind about like, what do other people think about me? Like monopolizing these people's time and being like next to them and eating lunch with them. Like, you know, what, is it okay if I invite, you know, the instructor to dinner? You know, it's a matter of, well, I want to go eat. I want to eat with them. That would be really cool. So I'm going to invite them to eat because chances are they want to eat too. So, you know, like I've taken that step and invited. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where sometimes they have plans already and sometimes they make plans with you. Mm-hmm. So as for like thinking, well, what will this person think if I asked this person to eat with me is not not something I was fortunately aware that I should be thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just asked. And then afterwards I went, oh, oh, the damage is done. I already asked. They said yes. So let's go eat, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's definitely one of those things um, in that, for instance, that it's okay. Another thing is dance your dance. Mm. Have fun out there. Don't worry about what other people are thinking. Don't worry about if other people are looking at you, which I know firsthand is a whole lot easier said than done. But if you're out there and really in your zone and you do a couple variations and you play with it or you do it vanilla, it is all okay as long as it's what you wanted to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, What other people think, that's their problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I've I've had comments like... um, you know, you're fun to watch because you, when you're out there, it's like no one else is out there. You're totally in the zone and you could be the only person on the floor or you could be in the middle of like a hundred other dancers and it would be all the same to you because you just enjoy it for you. I've heard that. I have never heard, and I don't know if this has ever been said to anyone, gosh, you're so much fun to watch because you're constantly looking around to see who's watching you and you're worried about what other people are thinking. So that's what motivates you to do this or that. Um exaggerated movement or that's what makes you keep to yourself. I really love watching you keep to yourself out of fear 
Nobody says that. <laughs> no, no, they don't. No, they certainly do not. No. Oh, and speaking of fear, number five is if you feel the fear, do it anyway. One of the best ways to combat the fear is to do it repeatedly. Push through the fear and it will start to feel more natural. The fear may never fully subside, but if you continue to battle through it, the momentum you create will be more powerful than the remaining fear. For example, when I feel terrified of approaching someone, I think back to a calming moment or a moment that made me laugh. Then the fear didn't feel so daunting anymore. I'm trying to think of like a time that I've actually applied this. Hmm. Um, Sometimes I try to do things while I'm a little distracted so that like if, if it's something with a lot of stakes, if that's all I'm doing, then I'm more likely to think about how I'm wording things or whether I'm saying the right things. But if I'm like in the middle of doing something, it's like when you're talking to somebody and trying to like get their number or whatever, and and you, you walk up with both hands on your phone and you look deeply into their eyes. I mean, this actually might work, depending, <laughs> depending on how they, uh, anyway, how they respond to that. And you're like, uh, can I... Could I have your number so that I can uh, give you a phone call on my phone later? And then uh, we could maybe make plans uh, to, I don't know, do something together. Uh, but I have, to, I have to have your number so that I can call you. Uh, and then we could do that. Like that, that is going to freak you out. <laughs> but if you're just on your phone, you're like scrolling through Facebook and you're like, uh, oh yeah, we probably have like a couple of mutual friends or something. Oh, but I should probably just get your number since I have my phone out. Uh, what is it? And then boom, it happens. Like you're not thinking about it. You're distracted by something, so you can't let the fear build and have you trip over your words. Uh, you're just, you, you tell yourself, like, I need to do something else. I need to, to put my mind in a different place and then do this thing that I really care about on the side without letting myself know I'm actually doing it. Yeah. Um, for me, first thought, then go. Hmm. Uh, if it is something that I'm like, oh, I should ask that person to dance. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Don't give yourself another second. Just do it. Just ask. Mm -hmm. um, because chances are, if you start thinking about it, you're going to start going, well, yeah, but then I'd have to walk over there. And I'd have to, like, you know, say hi. I'd have to, like, actually ask. Mm -hmm. And then what if they say no? And strategically, what would be the best way to guarantee a yes? How could I word it so that they couldn't possibly say no? It's too, too thought-heavy. Yeah. Just if you want to ask the person to dance, go ask. If you want to say hello, go say hello. Mm -hmm. um, chances are they're not expecting you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that might be one of those things where they're like, wait, what? But if you make that move, if you take that chance and you haven't overthought it, you'll probably get a better result than if you sat there and did nothing. Mm -hmm. Just... Just saying. Number six, practice. Don't worry if you seem a little awkward or aggressive at first. If your intentions are authentic, you will come across that way more and more each time you try. It's just like any other skill where it gets easier with practice. A few of my first conversations with strangers felt scary and awkward, but they didn't do any harm. It made me learn what I needed to work on. It's like the thing that we were saying in uh, previous episodes about how confidence comes from doing it right a bunch of times and then doing it successfully more times makes you more confident, but initially you just need, need to courage. have the courage. So that kind of combines what we mentioned about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Have the courage, just do it. And then once 
once you kind of have some, like they say, momentum going, like, okay, well, that part of that worked. Uh, and I didn't die. I'm still breathing. So I guess I'll try that again. It's less scary now. I don't need as much courage on this, on this balance or spectrum. I am going to fuel myself with a little bit more confidence from having gotten it right. But I do need courage to know that this wasn't a fluke, to know that I can do this twice and they weren't just being nice the first time. <laughs> and then eventually the courage will go down and the confidence will go up because you won't need as much of the courage in practicing. Yeah, which is why, you know, I had said earlier that, like, at least in the line dance community, saying hi to people at events is a safe place to practice. It's a Mm -hmm. safe place in which you can talk to the person sitting next to you that maybe is from a different group than yours um, to maybe work up the courage to talk to someone in which you yourself have placed as some type of role model or idol or on that pedestal, like, say, for instance, Joe or Rachel or Guyton, mm. you know, I mean, like people that you look at go, I, I, I just want to be in the same room as them. And maybe some of their awesomeness might just rub up on me. Mm. But to like actually talk to them, oh, man, that'd be really cool. Mm. I mean, work up. It's OK, like, you know, to practice on other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just remember Apparently, they're human, too. Mm. Or at least that's what they tell me. So we'll go for that. It's one of the great things about the line dance hobby is that we can be talking to just fellow dancers and somebody amazing will walk up that like we've wanted to talk to for the whole event. And if you don't freak yourself out and like get all of a sudden quiet because, oh, no, that person came here. Now I shouldn't say things about my life because I just, you know, my life is terrible and boring. Like If you're not doing that and you're just like, okay... Uh, yeah, so I was just talking with fellow dancers about this thing. Well, I don't know, what did you think about this? Because they, they were saying this, and I think this, but I'm sure you must have an interesting perspective on it because you're so embedded in the dance world yourself. And just don't think about who they are, to just another dancer, to transition real easy to that person being part of the conversation. Yeah, for instance, uh, complimenting Amy Glass on her pants as she's walking by, and then very awkwardly petting her pants <laughs> it, it can happen <laughs> yeah feel the fear and do it anyway as long as Darren doesn't mind right <laughs> uh, number seven make it about them talk about their interests opinions and ideas then respond to what they share the best way to keep someone interested in a conversation is to show an interest in their life everyone likes to talk about themselves even if you don't know a lot about a particular subject Keep asking questions to understand them. I feel like there's like a ladder. At the bottom of the ladder uh, is talking about, well, maybe it would just be talking about nothing and not having the conversation. And slightly above that would be having the conversation where you only talk about yourself. And then slightly above that would be having the conversation where they, you ask them questions about themselves and then you don't you don't acknowledge anything that you said. You just talk about whatever you want unrelated to that after that. And then above that is maybe you ask them about themselves and then you start to one-up them or maybe just talk about your own experiences and how similar they are, but you don't explicitly say anything about their experience. And then above that is asking them about their experiences and then you actually talk to them more about that experience that they have just told you. So instead of... Uh, you know, where where do you like to dance? Oh, I dance in Reno. Instead of 
oh yeah, I've been to Reno a bunch of times, and now here's this thing I did in Reno, and here's this other thing I did in Reno, and Reno's so cool. Maybe try like, really? I don't know much about that. Tell me more about that thing in Reno. Uh, how, how did you find it? You know, uh, what, what's, the, what's your favorite thing about it? Have you made any friends at that thing in Reno? It's all about their experience that, that you're drawing out of them. Not just, well, this is tangentially related because we used the same keyword being Reno, but I want to talk about my thing. Yeah. Um, I know there's, there's been a couple conversations that I've had with in different individuals um, like one, one that comes to mind right now is um, Madison. Mm. Uh, I had asked, I was asking her about like what her favorite food is and I had asked her like a couple different other questions and then I had gone to the point of did you ever in a million years think and my question was going to be like that you would be where you're at teaching what you're doing and her immediate response was no, no I did not think that this was possible basically. Um, I never... I never in a million years thought I'd be here or something to that extent. And because I had asked certain questions about like, well, what do you like? What do you, you know, it kept the conversation going. Um, I was able to contribute like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, I love Italian food. <laughs> it's one of my favorites, you know. Um, but then you continue the conversation and you just kind of address the fact that there is a similarity or there's a difference. But then you go back to the conversation, not just a, well, me and my and I and this and that. And, well, the one time I did this, you know, um, it, it, it's certainly harder for people who are shy to maybe talk about themselves. So if, like, you're getting that sense of the conversation, then, I mean, contributing a little bit about, like, your experience isn't a bad thing, but it's also you don't want to just talk to this person so that you can soapbox about you um, and then say like, oh yeah, I had a conversation with so-and-so. You didn't have a conversation with so-and-so. You just talked at so-and-so, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but some people get a little bit awkward when all the questions are geared towards them. So keep that in mind, but don't be afraid to ask them questions. I would recommend also having another outlet like a journal or a blog or something if you feel like no one hears about you and your life story and no one understands you. Don't just like hold someone hostage <laughs> under the premise of it being a conversation so that you can have a therapy session. Like yes. <laughs> say the things that you want to say and process on your own time, maybe uh, with like a, a friend that you already know and not a stranger. Uh, or actually with a therapist, or with a pen and paper. And then once all of that stuff is already out, you'll be so well acquainted with those thoughts that you've already said and seen that you'll be bored by them. And then when you have a conversation with somebody new, you don't want to return to that. It's like, ah, I already heard all that stuff when I talked about it with this other friend of mine, so I'm not going to bring that up. You know what's new and fresh and interesting is their entire life, because I don't know about that stuff yet. So... Focus on that and um, keep your things to another safer little box. Yes. Yeah. Number eight, make them laugh. Laughter makes the conversation fun and joyful. People enjoy talking with others who make them laugh. So get out of your head and don't take anything too seriously. Just have fun with it. I love laughing. Laughing's my favorite, for sure. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean I want to hear a joke so much as I want to just have a good time and enjoy myself. 
No, yes, the occasional joke is definitely entertaining. But you got to be careful with jokes because depending on their sense of humor, it'll either turn it in a favorable direction or a non-favorable direction. Mm. Um, but I know for me, I like to ramble. And I like to say I like to ramble when I get nervous. And people generally kind of laugh a little bit about that because of the fact that, you know, like, they'll look at me like, you're not rambling. I'm like, oh, I'm rambling. I'm really rambling. But that's okay because I'm going to keep talking about it because I don't know how to stop. And, you know, like, I'll recap a conversation how, like, I wish you had interrupted me or stopped me from rambling at one point. And I remember uh, recapping the conversation in my head about how, like, I'm making this awkward. Why isn't he stopping me? Oh, my God, I'm still talking. Why isn't he stopping me? Why isn't he interjecting? Why isn't he saying anything? And I'm still rambling about whatever topic it was during this conversation in my head. And when I recapped that story, of course, people tend to laugh and, you know, enjoy it and be like, yeah, no, I can relate. I've done that before. Or really? Because I was thinking the whole time of, like, thank God she can talk because I have nothing to contribute right now. Mm. So it, it's definitely an interesting situation. Earlier when you were saying uh, that some people, like the shy people, want to hear somebody else talk and, you know, hold up uh, the most comfortable uh, ratio of the conversation for them, uh, I was thinking for some people it might be hard to imagine that anyone could be so interested in what they have to say that they would want that from them. But then when you think about some of the people you would want to hear from, like I could definitely just let Fred go on right? about whatever and I would be very interested. Or Gary. I think some of that's the accent. But <laughs> yeah, Roy. Roy well, to, and Fiona. I would to love to hear fair, them just we, talk. We did talk for an extended amount of time with Kat. Mm-hmm. True. That's true. So Cat Painter. Yeah. For those out there who aren't sure who Kat is. Yes, and I loved every minute of it. And I was like, no, keep talking. You're fine. Oh, yeah. Keep talking. Absolutely. Please keep talking to me. Please keep talking to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of learning there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, people definitely sometimes feel like they're afraid of what they can contribute to you or why you'd want to talk to them. But some people really just enjoy listening to other people talk. Mm-hmm. Also, honestly, it can be an escape. They, they've got their own life all the time and they have all these things on their mind. If they can hear about somebody else, it's like watching reality TV or just some novel, you know? They can imagine and empathize and put themselves in somebody else's shoes and then they're not worrying about their own problems anymore. They have somebody else's. And somebody else's are always more easily tackleable because the consequences don't affect you. As the person who's imagining their stuff, you can give them all kinds of advice or or try to picture, you know, who said what to whom and none of it really comes back to you. So you can, you can, you know, take your time and think about it. And, uh, you know, there are no stakes. Uh, If it's all about you all the time, then you can never get away. And that can be frustrating. Like uh, maybe it's this would be related to the re- the rejection bit. But if you do have your own life stuff, and another person is asking you about your life stuff, it's like great. Not only did I have to live through it the first time, I have to relive it so I can tell them about it. So that might be why somebody doesn't want to talk with you about this or that thing. Yeah. And why they might want you to make them laugh. Yeah. Uh, I would also kind of compare this to a dance where you have the really engaging high spots of the dance and then you have transitional stuff in between 
I used to get exhausted hanging out with, like I was fine in high school in uh, the improv comedy club that I was part of because you know we we just kind of we were friends already. It was very easy to like switch on and off. In college, I tried to do improv and they were always on. You could not hang out with them outside of improv and feel like you were keeping up if you didn't have a witty thing to say back. And they, I guess, just had brains that worked that way. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, there are people who are very talented for that sort of thing. But, like, it almost sounded like everything they were saying was scripted by some Hollywood writer and everything got a reaction. And you just thought, I can't, I'll, I wanted, to, I'll, I could tell you about going to Costco today, but I feel like I'm bringing down the mood. So, you know, those kinds of people, you, you find out who your balance of people is. Um, and maybe you're more like the, the type to hang out with people with dry humor. So it's not about always being on, but occasionally, oh, there's a surprising thing that they threw in there. That was nice. And then you go back to just being, you know, the, the, the normal person that you usually are. Uh, kind of think about that in, in dance terms as like the really cool hand thing that you do. And then, okay, now we're just going to walk, walk, shuffle, rock, recover, coaster. And then, oh, here it comes 32 counts later. It's that hand thing again. Like, you want to space it out. Because if you're just doing the hand stuff, then you're wearing your out your wrists. You're going to give yourself carpal tunnel. <laughs> Number nine, try to discover their core passion. If you see their eyes light up when they talk about something, ask more questions about that. If you find a keyword that helps you figure out their interest, try to talk about that. For example, if I asked, how's the weather? They say, it's nice that it's foggy since it's... It's better. Wait, what? It's nice that it's foggy since it's better to run in it. Foggy since. I don't understand that grammar. Anyway, <laughs> then you can go ahead and talk about running. And this actually reminds me of something that Jeff mentioned, uh, DJ Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Goodwin in Sonoma County, that he mentioned about DJing. At the beginning of the night, just play everything and see what they respond to. When they go nuts for like funk and Motown, but they're not really into modern pop, well, just stop playing your modern pop. Like, go with what they like. Keep them dancing. Keep them moving. And same thing with the conversation. If you're talking about... I mean, people say, oh, I hate small talk. Like, who who wants to talk about the weather all the time? Well, that's exactly the example they're using of weather just being a segue into what they really care about. Mm -hmm. Small talk is not supposed to necessarily be the destination. It's just the means to get there. So if you touch on a few things like family, what do you do? Like what's, what's your thing, what, what work? I don't even know how to, I don't ask people that. So I don't know what how to What do you do it. for a living? Exactly. <laughs> it just sounds like such a rude Or as we were question. asked in Portland, do you guys have grown up jobs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like you have all those topic, you know, just surface level topics um, to to get them to open up, and then once they do get excited about like, uh, well, you know, that's what I do, you know, during the week. But I mean, on the weekend, uh, this is this is what I do. If you're still stuck in the mindset of like, okay, so I have to follow this path. First, I ask them about their work, and then I ask them about their car. Like. Well, you just totally blew past that thing they got excited about, which was the weekend. So ask them again about how what was that weekend thing that you mentioned, and then follow that path and go down that rabbit hole and play in it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Number 10, go out and smile. Smiling gives a good first impression. Practice in the mirror, then smile to the world. 
I noticed that people relaxed themselves when I smiled first. When I continued smiling throughout the conversation, they smiled back and really opened themselves up to deeper conversation. Yeah. Um, it's definitely easier to talk to someone who looks like they're enjoying themselves. Mm hmm. And is open to a conversation than the unfortunate victim of um, resting bee face. Mm. Bee being for the B word. <laughs> yes. Um, it is much harder to approach someone who just looks mad or like they don't want to talk to you at all. Mm. Or like you would totally be bothering them because what do you have to offer to them? Um which is kind of sad but considering most of the time those are the individuals that need to be talked to the most. Mm -hmm. But with that said, if you're smiling, people are more likely to approach you too. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that as, a, as uncomfortable as it can be, you certainly should practice um, smiling and looking people in the eyes when you're talking. Um, it was a, a different experience when I received the eye contact um, from what I'm used to, which is people being half distracted and focusing on something else while I'm talking. So like it, I was either inconveniencing them or they were like, they didn't care enough. Whereas yeah, having someone actually look at you and make eye contact with you is certainly, Oh, okay. They're, they're open to hearing what I have to say. They're, they're willing to listen to me. And if they're smiling, that is an encouraging facial reaction to say, it's okay, keep going. I am listening. It's okay. You have my attention. So um, if you're making those efforts, people are more likely to respond positively than, say, the opposite. Mm -hmm. I would also say, um, like, past the approach, once you're in conversation with them, uh, be careful with reenacting stressful things that have happened. Like if you are, this I've, I've seen this used as a trick for when you want to call, like just really tear into somebody. What you would do in theory, uh, not that I recommend anybody actually do this, but um, what you would do if you wanted to do that and get away with it is you would tell them like, oh dude, some crazy person approached me in the street. They just got up like right in my face and they said, and then you say all the mean, nasty things that you've wanted to say to this person as though you're quoting it from this crazy person on the street. And you do it to their face, to their eyes, so you get that sense of, aha, I finally get to tell this person off and they don't even know they're being told off. That can happen unintentionally in conversations. I've had that happen to me before and I really don't like when it does because, yes, there's that point about, like, don't care about what other people think, but if you are at a bar someplace and this person is like yelling at you saying like, oh, how could you be so selfish? And like, you you only are worried about your own financial situation. They're, they're talking about somebody else, but anybody watching thinks they're talking to you. So now you feel like you've just got this spotlight on you, like you're a selfish person with bad finances and whatever else. And, and none, of that, none of that is true about you. It's all a reenactment. Nobody else can see that. Yeah, the other thing with the reenactment and uh, getting in people's faces, um, you don't need to be so loud and oh. passionate and um, personal bubble. And um, yeah, all those fun keywords that you should remember. Um, I, I certainly can get very animated when I'm passionate about something and very loud. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that does draw attention. So uh, it's okay to be yourself, but it's also okay to take it down a notch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one recommendation for anybody out there uh, who, who's done this is maybe just to do the reenactment, like facing a different direction so that you're clearly pointing at and scolding an invisible person who made a poor life choice so that you're not pointing to a person who had nothing to do with it who is actually your friend. Yeah. Uh, also, like you said, uh, there are ways to just recite what happened as opposed to reenact it. So then you could just calmly say, well, and then I told him that he was being selfish and I think it would have been nice if he had thought about this or that uh, instead of doing what he did, which instead was this. As opposed to, and then I told him he was being selfish and he was doing this and that and God, what a jerk. And I mean, you're at a nice, respectable dance place. Like here's <laughs> this woman or guy like yelling like a crazy person. Why are they so upset? Yeah, which again, I mean, that's something that also time and a place. Yeah. But with going back to the uh, go out and smile, mm -hmm. um, the other thing is to consider it could make all of the difference in the world to someone. If even just walking by them on the street or in the hallway or at the hotel, restaurant or whatever, just smile and nodding and looking at them and making eye contact can make them feel like they were acknowledged and like it's important for them to be there because they're valued and you have no idea what's going on in their head they could be re regretting the decision to be there because like no one has even paid them the time of day they decided to do this because they knew one person there and even that one person has you know 50 different friends that they talk to so like they're not around you the whole time um that might be that one moment that lets them be a little bit more relaxed and enjoy themselves. It also might encourage them to later come up to you and talk to you too. And, you know, like that's one of those things that I know we've talked many times. Like I love when people come up to me and talk to me because I acknowledge how much courage it takes to walk up to a complete stranger and just start talking to them. And they have no idea if I'm actually nice or if I'm crazy or... Um, or if, both. Or both. Or if I'm going <laughs> to just, like, totally turn around and walk away. They have no clue. They take the chance. They risk that outcome and say hello. And, you know, I'm always more than willing to talk to someone as long as I'm not in, like, the midst of rushing out to the dance floor or, you know, like, needing to use the restroom or something like that. Because... Um, there's certain things that dancers know take priority. Hmm. But um, other than that, like, you know, if I'm just sitting down or if I'm walking in between and I don't look like I'm in, in any rush anywhere, and trust me, you can tell me when I'm when I'm in a rush, I'm running. Um, <laughs> when your calf works. Yeah. Well, yeah, when my calf works. But, you know, I'm more than willing to sit and talk to people. I'm more than willing to find out their story. I'm willing to tell them mine. I mean, it's it's... One of those things that I think the more people that I can talk to and the more people I get to know, the more enriched my life can be. Mm -hmm. Because there's always something from someone that I can learn from or get or have the opportunity to give something to them. Mm -hmm. So somehow I'm going to have a positive outcome with this conversation. I would recommend also fake it if... Um, if if they recognize you because they saw you first and then by the time you're about to pass them, you look over, they've been looking at you for five seconds. They already know who you are 
and you're like, oh god, like you you have that that split second where you know they see you, they're smiling, they recognize you. If you take that like half second that you have where you're still in their field of vision to be confused and rack your brain and try to think, oh, where do I know them from? Then what they will see is, oh, hey, it's this lovely person. I, I like them. And oh, I'm smiling at them. I, I, oh, God, that was a weird expression. I guess they weren't very happy to see me back. Go ahead and smile. Like, smile at them and not know who they are. It might come to you 10 seconds later down the hallway, and then you'll be happy that you smiled. If you have no idea who they are, smile anyway. And that might make you, it'll help tag their face. When you smile and you put all those happy chemicals in your body, you will associate your smiling with their face. So it's not just like, oh, well, that's nice that somebody recognizes me and, you know, maybe maybe I'll talk to them later. I don't know, whatever. Um, it'll actually make you think, oh, hey, that was that person that smiled at me in the hallway. I don't know who they were, but they seem nice enough. I should introduce myself to them later. Or if we have already introduced ourselves, I should just get clarification on their name because I was thinking about what a nice smile they had uh, earlier this evening. I, I just wanted to know what their name was so that I, I, I knew who to credit that to. Fake it. Go for the smile first. Think about it later. Definitely go for the smile first. Um, but keep in mind that it's okay not to recognize people. <laughs> Absolutely. There are hundreds of people at these events. Yes. Um, as well as, I don't know how many times I've been like, I know that person, but I don't know where from. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing them recently, so it could have been here or there. Or maybe they just look familiar because they have one of those faces. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I also don't know how many times I've gotten, you're the girl in the videos with the cowboy. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that would be us. <laughs> that would definitely be us. So um, I'm Megan, <laughs> you know, and introduced that way. Mm -hmm. um, whereas they could recognize you from something completely unrelated to the actual event itself or a conversation you may have. Um, I've also had someone walk up to me, you're Megan. And I go, I am. And you are? And they'll be like, oh, I'm so-and-so. We're Facebook friends. I go, oh, okay, cool. Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you in person. You know, like, I'm kind of one of those wonderful individuals that doesn't necessarily know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I'm always willing to learn. Mm -hmm. And when I say fake it, I, I should clarify um, that as opposed to faking your enthusiasm for seeing or meeting this person, uh, it would be more of like faking that you know completely what they're smiling about. You can have a very authentic, genuine, split-second smile just because someone is smiling at you, whoever they are. You're happy to see that there's a happy person in front of you and they're pointing their face at you. That can be all that motivates you to authentically have a smile reaction. And if they start talking to you and you know that you've met them before, what you'd be faking is that you know their first name at all or where you know them from. What you can do then later is if they have some friend near them or whatnot, you can ask them, what was that, what was that person's name again? Because I know I know them from somewhere. And then when you talk to them again later, they will have no idea that you had forgotten it for any length of time. Yes. And I am certainly one of those horrible individuals that can't remember names at all. Like it takes so long for me to remember your name and it has to be reinforced so many times and it's something that even with me working at it is very challenging but your face I remember your face 
and generally speaking, I will have no idea why. Hmm. So, um, apologies to any and everyone <laughs> for not remembering your name, but I will remember your face somehow, some way. I remember. Okay, I know, I know, I've had a conversation with you before, or I know I've seen you before. I have no idea who you are or where I know you from, but I know I've seen you. Mm -hmm. So. For those of you out there who um, are at all interested in programming, this might be an example of if you have a hash map and you are able to pull up the keys in the hash map, uh, you have the key set that pulls up the, the, the values of all those, but you don't have the, the values associated with those keys, the keys would be like the person's face. You can list out all of the keys. However, there are values, like a person's name, stored behind that key that you cannot access for whatever reason. And that would be a case of that. I just learned that yesterday. I'm very excited. <laughs> anyway, number 11. Imagine that the other person is already your friend. I've definitely done this before. This way, you'll treat them that way instead of seeming awkward. And being comfortable around someone is the best way to start a new friendship. Take a chance today and talk to someone new. When you're friendly to someone, they'll most often be friendly back. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever pretended someone was my friend. Hmm. But I've certainly pretended that that person is friendly. Hmm. <laughs> and so I've been able to approach them that way. But um, I, I can see how this would definitely be able to essentially trick your mind into not necessarily overthinking it and backing out of talking to someone. And I know one of the, the things that you've said that like really resonated with me, um, and I think I've re referenced it a few times now, is the looking at everyone like they're a line dancer. Mm -hmm. You tend to give people at line dancing events a little bit more leeway or a little bit more slack, or like you're more accepting when it comes to being a line dancer and the line dancers around you, you want them to feel welcome. You want them to feel safe and you want them to feel not judged. So you've applied that in the everyday work life or, you know, your rush hour traffic or your shopping experience. Um, so I can see how by doing that and thinking of everybody as a line dancer, if you think of everybody as your friend mm -hmm. already, then, you know, like it makes it easier for you to talk to someone and it'd be more natural than like, a forced inorganic interaction. Mm -hmm. You have two things related to that. Uh, one, one on the lighter side, one less so. Um, I have actually used this before in, in my earlier days um, with girls, actually. Um, Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed at some point that I could be a lot more casual and playful when I already knew that the person had a crush on me or they liked me in some way but they hadn't said it outright, but somebody else had told me, then I could just kind of play with that. I could be like, you know, uh, I don't know, bantery. And I felt like the ball was in my court. So I could say whatever I wanted. And I knew, ha, 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 they're still going to like me. So I can really push the limits. I can like make all kinds of, um, I don't know, small talk that, uh, that you know, kind of pokes them at them and then see how they react. And then they kind of like it because they're being played with now. And like you're having a, a fun conversation. If you don't know whether they like you and you want them to, then you start freaking out and then you start thinking, 
Uh, I need to say and do the right things. I can't be just, just you know, saying anything I want because, gosh, what will they think of that? Like, I don't know if they will like me at the end of this conversation. When you do have that sense that they still are going to be around, then you can be way more at ease. Um, if you pretend that they already like you or that somebody has told you, oh, yeah, they secretly have a crush on you, and if you're able to trick yourself into that actually working, then, uh, yeah, then you can have that same mindset, that sort of attractive, casual, detached uh, bantery, whatever kind of attitude, and it will make them like you. Even if they didn't already, having that attitude is attractive. So doing that from the outset and doing whatever mental gymnastics you have to to get to that point, um, that will create the outcome that you want. Uh, also, on the other end of things, like what you were saying about uh, line dancers um, and giving them more slack, I find that that... that changes the way that you think about um, negative things that happen. Like if somebody does something and they're not part of your group and you you are upset by it, then you might immediately go to, oh God, that what a terrible person, you know, or you know, they're a monster, or all those people who are similar to that group are like that, and we should just get rid of all of them and that'll make the problem go away. It's very easy to do that when you don't know them and they're not in your group. If that same action were taken by somebody in your group, you would be thinking, oh my goodness, I wonder what made them do that. Like, I thought I knew them. I thought I understood them and something terrible must have happened in their life for them to make this choice. Like, there must be some reason. They're not, you don't think that they're a monster. You think that they're exactly who they are, but that there is an actual cause. And then when you understand the cause, because you actually now care about what the cause is and whether it, it was something avoidable, then you can say, gosh, I hope none, none of my other friends are going through something like this. I should really check in and see how everyone that I care about is doing, because if I didn't see this coming from that person, then you know maybe I wouldn't see it from somebody else. I should do what I can to ensure that this sort of thing doesn't happen again uh, from you know one of the people in my group. Yeah. Um that's definitely a great way to look at it um, is the trying to understand from their perspective what mm -hmm. could have happened um, by associating it with somebody that you you already have an established relationship with or someone you care about. Mm -hmm. um, it gives them a little bit more slack. Uh, one of the things I like to do is really think about how I would like to be viewed if I made whatever decision or choice or said whatever was said that I'm originally upset about, mm -hmm. um, how would I like to be responded to? Mm -hmm. Whether I meant it the way it came out or not, um, you know, like there's ways that you can talk to someone and be like, look, I'm not sure if you're aware, but that like really shocked me or that really upset me or something to that extent versus, wow you're a jerk, <laughs> you know, like, and just signing and you're know, like writing it off that way or like, yeah, I would never want to get to know that person because obviously they're just mean mm. or something to that extent. Whereas like you have no idea why they said or did what they did. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, sometimes people aren't nice. <laughs> sometimes they are very mean, but more often than not, there is an underlining cause to make them say or react the way they have. And I mean, it might be that they've never experienced someone telling them you shouldn't do that, or maybe it was 
their breaking point. Maybe it was a triggered thing that like they don't even know they do. You know, I mean, you have no idea. So to just to jump to a conclusion that you're not going to like them or that they're a mean person or a negative person really closes you off from a potential. Um, now with that said, that also doesn't mean you have to go out and be friends with everyone. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's better I mean, with that whole you're the average of the five people you surround yourself most with. Sometimes you just need to know uh, when to step out of that situation and be away from those people so that you don't become like that. And sometimes um, you are able to just say, okay, they are who they are and I am who I am and we can still be friends, but I am aware that I'm not going to become like that. Yeah. By choice. Yeah, certainly that as well as um, one of the things that I know one of my friends does is she'll she'll look at something, judge the action taken and say, that was a choice <laughs> and leave it at that. Like she's not going to hold it against that individual. She's not going to analyze the situation. She's not going to look at it like what would she have done. She's just going to be like, that was a choice. I wouldn't have made that choice, but that was a choice. Time to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess with the imagining they're your friend, I I could even see that with, um, like, we all have that person in our life who can, as they say, like, run hot and cold, where they can, um, they can, they can get really set off the deep end and just, like, walk off the floor if they're upset, um, but the rest of the time, you know, they're, they're pretty all right. They're just an average normal human being. If somebody else were to see them in one of their fits, then you could say, well, yeah, okay, that, that was probably a, a not a good night for him or her. Um, but you know, generally all right, uh, kind of a person like we've been friends for a long time. So I've, I've seen them do this, but it's not how they are all the time. You're willing to do that when they're your friend. You're less willing to do that when you have no attachment to them. You're like, God, yeah, right. What a jerk. Let's never go to this event or venue again. Right. All right. We are now at uh, about two minutes to three and we're getting toward the, uh, the end of our set here. This article again was called 11 Ways to Turn Strangers into Friends by Matt Ramos. And this is uh, hosted on tinybuddha.com. Do you want to give us a one minute um, update on your calf injury? Oh, sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so last Wednesday, if you listen to the um, the show or the, the later recorded version um, Thursday or later, I actually tore my calf muscle. So over the weekend, I rested and I iced and I compressed it and all the funds to stay off of it. Um, and now the update is that I can walk like a normal human being, no more limping. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm still very hesitant when it comes to like steps and stairs. So I'm very cautious about that. And um, sitting out of dance class this morning was a little bit challenging. Um, knowing that I can walk normally, I'm at that urge of like, okay, well, if I can walk normally, I can clearly dance. Um, so I'm really fighting those urges to stay off of it. And um, tonight should be interesting at Hot Monk in Novato. Um, I'm really hoping that it's um, a packed floor so I don't necessarily have to dance as much, which would be really nice. And then I can just kind of film and socialize and hang out. But other than that, yeah, um, it's, it's doing much better. Great. All right, this again has been Lion Dance Podcast with Megan Barsulia and Christopher Gonzalez. You can catch us every week from 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific time uh, at, I guess you got some options. There's moved-radio.com. 
Uh, there's tuneinradio.com slash bunch of other things. Just look for Move Radio. Afterwards, you'll see all these episodes on liondancepodcast.com. And, oh, by the way, we're both committed to going to Pikes Peak, Line Dance, or Bust this year. So go get your tickets. Yes. <laughs> all right. And we will see you on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.